Welcome to our new podcast, Golf Side Chats. I'm Beth Green. And I'm Jared Matzenbecker. Don't laugh at me. This is new for me. Jared and I are part of Golf Side Wealth in sunny Sarasota, Florida. And our goal with this podcast is to bring timely information, actionable ideas, and navigate the path to your financial freedom and goals. And hopefully Beth will have some fun along the way. <laughs> I'm no fun, so don't don't count on that. Just kidding. Since this is our first of what we hope to be will be monthly podcast, why don't you explain what we're trying to accomplish? Well, Beth, as we both know, and probably all our listeners know, there are a lot of talking heads out there, and many of them speak a completely different language using financial jargon and many times made up words uh, that can be hard to understand and usually doesn't make any sense. At Gulfside Wealth, our goal is to demystify and translate all that jargon into easy-to-understand language so our clients and our friends not only understand what's going on, but understand how it'll impact their wallets as well. Great. And talking about wallets, let's talk about what's happening in 2023. We're one month in. Tell us what's going on. Yeah. Well, January was a phenomenal month. If you look at the S&P, it was up a little over 9%, and the NASDAQ was up about 10.5%. So one of the best starts to a year that we've seen since 2000. Uh, and after the first two weeks of February being a little bit volatile, the S&P is still up about 6.5%, and the NASDAQ's up even more at 12.5%. So it's been a really good start to the year. Well, and I'm sure everyone's like me. They opened up their 401k and ap- after a year of down 18 to 20% and you see that 9% return, you get all excited like, woohoo, I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm good. coming back. So we can expect this all year then? This type of crazy, amazing growth? <laughs> Unlikely, Beth. <laughs> uh, annualizing that number would give returns that we've never seen before historically. And All the things we talked about in our January blog, Fed raising rates to well above average levels, higher than average inflation, and the probability of a recession in the second half of the year still holds. So we would expect a little bit more volatility and probably more downside to come. So all of that data and speculation makes for interesting headlines and fodder. It really doesn't impact investors over the long term. It's more about their mindset and how they handle the reaction to the market events. In fact, that's what we covered in our February blog, the behavioral finance piece, and some of the ways our brains are wired to work against us. Right. And I love it, Beth. I think talking about some of the common behavioral biases and how they affect people, more importantly, how they can overcome them to become successful investors is a great way to start our podcast. And this is one important topic, and it's gaining traction as we speak. I mean, everything we see nowadays is related to behavioral finance, the biases that we bring to the table. And as you know, I just recently got my CFP, and that was one of the modules they've incorporated going forward. So, I mean, if that doesn't tell you that it's gaining importance and traction, I'm not really sure what would. How you react to the markets and other events in your life and the economy are probably one of the single greatest determinants of your success. And that's why we've incorporated behavioral finance into our portfolio construction, our financial planning, and all of our client conversations from the beginning. And I love, we titled our February blog, You Were Born to Be a Bad Investor. Why did we choose that? We chose it because it's true. <laughs> we, we all were. I mean, all, every single one of us was born to be a bad investor. You know, our brains are wired to work against us from reaching our financial goals. Uh, If you recognize why that's the case and how you can overcome it, though, you can really be a successful investor. It's not about your education or your IQ. It's not even about having a CFA. All it takes is 
patience, a basic understanding of how those biases affect you and the impact they can have on your success. And once you understand them, you can minimize the impact they have on you. And there's quite a few of these biases that we're talking about. But, you know, just to name a few, the hot dot, chasing the hot dot. We saw that with the technology uh, kind of... um, bubble in you know 19 in the late 90s early 2000s and that FOMO I have quite a few friends that have FOMO but in this case that kind of fear of missing out on the market following the crowd of investors and you know what might not necessarily be best for you but everybody's doing it so let's make sure we're doing it and sometimes we even believe that the past events or outcomes are predictable of you know what's going to happen in the future yeah and those two examples are just two of the more common, uh, but they're probably the most impactful as far as sabotaging your financial success over time. There are a couple of really well-known researchers in the field, and I know you love pronouncing their names, Amos Tversky and Daniel Kahneman. Uh, Kahneman actually won the Nobel Prize a couple of years ago because of his work with Dr. Tversky, and they conducted some of the first research into behavioral finance. Uh, Daniel Kahneman actually published a book in 2011, and it's one of my favorites, called Thinking Fast and Slow. Um, I, I recommend everyone read that book if they want to really understand how their brain is wired to work against them. Another well-known expert is economist and author Richard Thaler, who wrote several books, but his probably two best are Misbehaving and Nudge, who we actually co-authored with Cass Sunstein. And if you'd like to gain insight into how your brain is wired to work against you, I highly recommend reading at least one of those books, if not all three of them. Interesting points. I think that, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, humans have always been wired to run from danger, whether it's perceived or actual, or to kind of trust their gut. Um, when we were hunters or gatherers and that unknown howl in the distance, you know, you're not really sure that rustling in the bush, what it might have been the last thing you heard. Those lessons learned over thousands of years, I think, are still what are ingrained in us today and kind of driving our mindset a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Technology has advanced and modern humans have evolved considerably, but our base psychological instincts are still exactly the same as they were thousands of years ago. Find patterns, stay with the group, and don't take unnecessary risks. Now, understanding how those instincts and the biases that are associated with them can affect us is the key to working towards overcoming them and progressing towards your financial goals. So we teased a few of these, talked at a high level about a a few of them, but why don't we dive in and discuss a few of them in a little bit more detail. And the first one, especially applicable today, is the loss inversion bias. So this is, we tend to favor or put more emphasis on losses um, over acquiring equal gains, even if the probability of the gain is greater than the risk of the loss. Loss aversion was sort of discovered when my two friends, the Nobel Peace Prize winner, Kahneman and Tversky, were researching the prospect theory, which dates that uh, people feel the psychology impact of a loss twice as powerful as the gain. And if the loss and the gain are equal, what does this mean exactly? Well, loss aversion bias causes us to put too high a probability on both low and or high probability events. I should say too much weight on low and high probability events and too little on the moderate moderate or more likely outcome. Uh, 
And that simply, simply put, leads to less than optimal decision making, right? We make bad decisions because we expect either the best possible outcome or the worst possible outcome, not the most likely outcome. And it's give you an example, and it'll be a made-up example, but I know you've got a good story for us here. (laughs) Let's say we're talking about company XYZ, and it's a pretty good company. It makes a promising product that's coming to market, but it's not really well-known yet. So there's a chance that the share price of this company could double if the product really catches on, or it could go bankrupt if nobody likes the product. So similar, we were talking about Facebook today, right? Absolutely. Right. When it first came out, people said, who's going to jump on the internet? Who wants to share their whole life with a million strangers? Right. And the IPO came out, it rose and then went straight down and kind of floundered for the first couple of years. But what people weren't thinking about is there's a whole generation of people, certainly not yours or mine, unfortunately, <laughs> that are growing don't, up don't, on the internet. Don't date us. Don't date us. <laughs> and as people, you know, our kids and probably the generation a little bit before them, started spending more time on the internet and they could put music and pictures and brag about how cool they were and how much fun they were having, more and more people started to use Facebook and its share price rose over time quite considerably to become the company it is today. Um, so you were talking about that loss aversion and doesn't it also, con- people get that mentality of get even so they stay in something a little longer than maybe they had intended. So that was the story you were referring to. And myself, like probably many others, is not adverse to this get even So I'll tell you my quick little story. In 2000, there was a company in Atlanta that was founded. It was called Webvan. So it was the precursor to Instacart. Um, great model. So excited. Thought that this was a rock star idea. They, had, they were delivering to moms, to working moms, to dads, working dads. They would deliver your groceries home. So you call them up, you order, and then they would come right to your door and deliver it. What I didn't realize is that they had spent a lot of money on warehousing and produce that went bad since they didn't have a very effective adoption rate. So they were losing money hand over fist, but I was convinced this was the next, you know, coming. So I wrote it all the way to the end. So that is my uh, get evenitis because I was convinced it was going to keep going. It's coming back. It's coming back. It's coming back. So that's my story. And, you know, like many others, I'm in the business and I still try to do it. So, uh, you know, they try to hold on to it a little bit longer than they probably should. And they might sell a little too fast. So, of course, we never recommend timing the market or, you know, short-term trading for long-term uh, investors. But there are times when it's appropriate to sell a losing position quickly, as in maybe my web van should have been sold when I still had money left. Um, research and professional advice, obviously, is the best decision you can do. Absolutely. And just to add to that, get evenitis is probably one of the hardest to overcome, right? Because you buy something and let's say you put $10,000 in it and you watch it go to 2000 you don't want to recognize that loss. You say, no, it'll come back, it'll come back. And most often you do watch it go all the way to zero. So to your point, doing your own research or getting professional advice on positions like that can definitely help. Uh, 
there's another bias, right? Yeah, and, and it goes hand in hand with loss aversion bias. It's called the bandwagon effect, and I think we're all familiar with this one. <laughs> yes, fear of missing out. As I said, I have many friends that try to go to every party in town because they have FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The bandwagon effect, Beth, describes the impact of a widely held belief or opinion on our behavior because of that kind of prehistoric drive to stay with the group for fear of being left behind and and missing out or falling victim to harm the bandwagon effect can cause an investor to jump into an investment that might not be appropriate or even make sense for them or their situation just because everyone else is doing it right and great examples of this would be the tech bubble in the early 2000s because we all knew that the internet was the next big thing and any company with .com at the end of their name was going to be a winner. Uh, also, the housing market, right? Because real estate yeah. only goes up, eerily reminiscent <laughs> of the current environment. <laughs> exactly. And of course, my personal favorite, uh, the crypto craze and the meme stock frenzy of 2000 and 2021 where you jump on Reddit, you get a hot name and you ride it all the way to the sky. Unfortunately, as we all heard, <laughs> most of those people wrote it all the way up and then wrote it all the way <laughs> yeah. back down. Exactly. Well, and each of these bubbles started small and gained steam as people saw their friends, they're jumping in. They thought they were going to make that easy money. Um, but, you know, it, and that kind of seems true with these never ending trends. But more and more pi people pile in and uh, using their life savings, they're riding this out. They think it's going to last. And unfortunately, Oftentimes, the excitement fades and reality sets in, and each of these bubbles eventually do pop, as we saw in 2006, 7, 8, 9, with the real estate crisis that you mentioned. And, you know, then they're holding on for dear life, and many folks, unfortunately, end up losing a lot of their life savings, if not all, and, you know, never get back to that original principal amount, even though they're holding on, hoping, right? <laughs> you hit the nail on the head, Beth. It, to be successful, investors have to learn to think independently of the group and closely examine the merits of an investment that they're seriously considering, right? Forget what everyone else is doing, you know, just because your neighbor, quote unquote, made a million dollars doing something or even $10,000 doesn't mean you will too. And I guarantee you, your neighbor didn't tell you about all the money they lost before they made that money. So by thinking independently of the crowd and seeking professional advice, investors can avoid the bandwagon effect or at least minimize the chances of falling victim to it. And more importantly, improve their odds of making well thought out decisions uh, that align with their long term goals and keep them on the right path. Okay, so we've talked about two, and while we could probably go on and on, as there are many, many more, we probably shouldn't, um, so we can keep folks active and engaged, but let's talk about one more, and it, let's talk about the confirmation bias. Warren Buffett once said, what the human being is best at doing is interpreting all new information so that their prior conclusions remain intact. That's confirmation uh, biased in a nutshell. We want to seek out or put additional weight on information that confirms our own opinion or beliefs and ignores what contracts them or contradicts them. Sorry. Yeah. And confirmation bias can lead to overconfidence, which is a totally separate bias on its own, um, but really leads to poor decision making or more importantly, the inability to see flaws in information or data that relates to an investment or any decision we might be trying to make and really can lead to thinking an investment is definitely a winner, right? Or 
that nothing can go wrong despite an abundance of evidence to the contrary. And we see this happening all the time, right? How many clients do we talk to? They're like, this is it. This is the next one. Yes. And I think we find that right with uh, right now with pulling out of the market and putting it all into cash because people are convinced that the the world is ending or some iteration of the world is ending. um, And they have all the data that supports it. Um, So I think we've had multiple clients that have kind of fallen into this confirmation bias. Absolutely. And, And Google's a blessing and a curse, right? You can find anything you want. All you have to do is type in why is the world going to end in 2023? <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's some multiple yeah. reasons. Um, and, you know, with the confirmation bias, obviously, they underestimate the potential risks and um, of the investment and thinking that nothing could possibly go wrong, especially if they're on the side of they want to buy, right? Um, and they're caught by surprise if there's moves or it doesn't support their thesis. So this is one of the most difficult biases to overcome. And doing homework and, you know, intentionally seeking out contradictory information can be helpful to minimize confirmation bias. And I w- side note, you know, we're talking about all these biases as they relate to the market. And obviously, that's our job. But let's face it, this also occurs in everyday life with every decision that we're making. We, you know, have a tendency to play out these same biases. So it's very applicable, not only to our market, you know, decisions, but also in life. Every decision. Yes, (laughs) it's behavioral finance, but it affects every decision we make without a doubt. And Confirmation bias is actually one of the most difficult to overcome because it is, as we just said, so easy to find information that supports whatever opinion you hold, right? And we do our best to overcome it personally in our practice when we're doing research on the markets, the economy, or a particular investment if we're considering it for a client. We make it a point to always seek out at least three reports or three pieces of information that directly contradict what we believe to be true. And what that does is it helps us have a more round, well-rounded view on the topic. It, in certain cases, has even led us to modifying our thesis or completely changing our opinion and deciding not to move forward with a particular plan or idea. Now, it doesn't guarantee that we're going to make the correct decision every time, but it can make a difference in your success rate over time on multiple decisions. So we mentioned that there's multiple biases. In fact, there's more than 50 emotional and psychological biases and fallacies that researchers have found related to the behavior of finance. We've obviously only examined three, but three of the most common that I think not only impact our market decisions, but everyday life, as we talked about. Um, I think it's a good starting point, but if someone wants to learn more about these or how these biases affect their decision making or learn more about themselves as an investor, what can they do well a good start would be the books i mentioned up front right and i recommend those to people all the time but also at gulfside wealth as i also said at the beginning we incorporate behavioral finance into our portfolio construction our financial planning and every conversation we have with clients and the best part about it is many of our clients don't even realize that we're talking to them about some of those biases because of the way we weave it into the stories and the conversations we have Our goal is always to help our clients overcome what may be ideas or thoughts or actions that would be detrimental to their long-term success. We are fully committed to being responsible stewards of our clients' hard-earned wealth, and we always want to work with them to make progress towards their financial goals and helping them avoid what could be life-altering decisions or mistakes is something we're always focused on. 
Well, as always, our time together has concluded. But as always, if you have any questions about today's topic or you would like to learn more or you would like us to, if you have any input on our podcast, ask us a question, want us to talk about or review your portfolio or financial plan, don't hesitate to reach out and call uh, contact us at a hello at golfsidewealth.com or reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn. We welcome your feedback and questions. Um, we offer relatable advice for real investors. I'm Beth Green. And I'm Jared Matzenbecker. Enjoy your Valentines. This material is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. Indexes are unmanaged statistical composites and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment and do not reflect fees, expenses, or sales charges. The Standard & Poor's 500 Index is a capitalization-weight index of 500 stocks designed to measure performance of the broad domestic economy through changes in the aggregate market value of 500 stocks representing all major industries. Bonds are subject to market and interest rate risk if sold prior to maturity. Bond values will decline as interest rates rise and bonds are subject to availability and change in price. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Asset allocation does not ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Due to the volatility of the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Any opinions or forecasts contained herein reflect the subjective judgments and assumptions of the author only and do not necessarily reflect the views of LPL Financial. Investing is subject to risks including loss of principal invested. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Please note that individual situations can vary and therefore this information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice.